1: What up, this is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Red, and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The alternative underground, back alley, underbelly, down on the docks, on the other side of the track, speakeasy, dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to on the Odyssey app or wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. Listen, we're not going to judge where you're getting it. That's not what we're here to do. What we're here to do is say, hey, as long as you're liking, subscribing, sharing... You know, getting those notifications. Also, same goes with YouTube. And hey, if you haven't went by our social medias, go by and say hello by you know following us. We'll follow you back. That's the kind of people we are here at the Rye Bread Mustard and Mariners podcast. And also, we've been getting some inquiries on the gear. Go ahead and DM us or hit up at simply.cora. That's at simply.cora on Instagram. She'll take care of you. I think that is all the house cleaning we gotta do, we're recording this live in person here at MVPs in Edmonds, still up here in the Northwest, you know what I mean, Uh, LA is uh, upside down right now, so I'm happy to be up here uh, with the man, the myth, the mayor of Edmonds, one Hanno in Edmonds, what's going on Hanno?
0: What up my man? What up my man?
1: Oh, you know, just,
0: uh,
1: I'm actually feeling good. I'm actually feeling good about what I've been seeing from the Mariners. And we've been kind of warming up, uh, you know, the last two series headed into this, uh, last weekend before the the trade deadline. You took two or three from the Toronto Blue Jays. You took two or three on the road against Minnesota. Um, Both of these teams are teams that you probably would say are playoff-worthy teams. Uh, The Mariners had a stadium, a hostile stadium, with Blue Jays fans. And then, as you were saying, had to go on the road and maybe not be in such a juiced-up stadium. And they take two of three, and damn near could have took three of three. Now you're going down to Arizona this weekend uh, to play another good team and followed by another good team, the Boston Red Sox, and then followed by another team that's really going all in on the rest of the season, Anaheim Angels. So we're, we're, we're in the thick of it right now.
0: Yeah, you're right. The Mariners, uh, the last two series, have played some good games. Going back and looking at their record in July, they got a 14-8 and record. Um, and you're right. It was a, it was a wild series, uh, highly entertaining, uh, some weirdness to it, some, you know, there was some great play, there was some frustration play. Let me tell you, though, um, if I reference this, I'll, I'll take it back old school. Take, and it, back. See if you re- it,
1: take it back to the old school because I'm an old fool.
0: So let me see if you remember this old sports program, and this is how I will describe the series against the Minnesota sports Twins. Machine? No. Damn it. If, the way I'm going to describe this series was – it was a thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Ooh, that does, that sounds like something off a Gatorade commercial. You do, do you remember what sports program way back when used that as their open? I'm not as
1: old as you, so uh, please do Actually, I am older than you. Right? Are or you? If, by a couple months, oh, yeah. Okay. God,
0: so. oh, okay. Wide world of sports.
1: <laughs> Wide world of sports. Okay, yeah, I've seen that on YouTube. No, I do.
0: <laughs> no, uh, no,
1: I, no I, I do remember it now. I think they do probably use it on a Gatorade commercial, though. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, but that's this series w- was up and down. It was, it was for the fans, and I'm sure the players. There were some devastating moments and some amazing moments. Yes, that
1: game one of the series, that Monday game, we're down two to nothing. Looks like a typical uh, just got in town kind of game, <laughs> two to nothing. You know, into the ninth inning. We, how many people were on base in that game I think we were like 0 for 11 or yeah 0 for 11 uh, it, with runners in scoring position or with sorry 0 for 11 with people on base something terrible one of those two you get into the ninth you get you get big dumper pinch hit gets down to one strike you know gets, a, gets the ball through the infield and then you got Colton Wong pinch hitting and my reaction was like that's all we got pinch hitting two run smash we we got to send Munoz out to the mound, which I have no problem with. and oh, I'm gonna, Okay. And I, I know why, because we ran ragged through our, our arms and our bullpen in that Toronto series. And prior to that, in the, the last series with Minnesota, it had been a long taxing week. You know, the Mariners have not had a day off until the day we were recording this episode. Um, you know, and unfortunately, uh, we give up the run, we go into extra innings, and we still can't, you know, muster anything up. So it was a really heartbreaking loss, which I think the next day followed by one of the, uh, not one of, the most improbable comeback the Mariners have had in what, 580?
0: 32 years, 1991. Okay. Sorry, I was way off. <laughs> it's the Chicago White Sox. 580
1: section. million days ago?
0: yeah exactly that the Mariners have had a, been in the deficit of four or more runs from the eighth inning on and have not come back
1: and then they just go out and they have a back-to-back slug fest, just a slug fest with Minnesota on game three much more enjoyable to watch when you've <laughs> been watching these low scoring games you know and the Mariners take two or three so let's uh what do you want to talk about from the series
0: Yeah, well, going back to game one, you got a great pitching performance from Luis Castillo. Went seven innings, only gave up four hits and two runs. And then, like you said, the absolute most incredible thing, the Mariner whipping boy, Colton Wong, gives you a home run to give you the lead. Yeah. And it's all forgotten. Probably does not get interviewed after that game. Probably does not get talked about. And I feel bad for him. So do I, because that was...
1: That had to hurt. That had to hurt him probably more than it hurt the team. But listen, he he got another RBI in this series. He also was, you know, playing some great defense in the, in the series as well.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about bringing Munoz. He didn't have a problem. Um, the bullpen was taxed. Seawall did pitch quite a bit, so they go with Munoz. But you know. What, what what is your what is your thoughts here? So because they go with Munoz in the ninth and you're hoping not to have to use Seawald or he's unavailable, but Munoz gives up that tying run to forcing extras, and you're thinking because Seawald's not in there, which is his normal spot in the ninth inning in a safe situation, but like I said, you understand you want to keep him out of the game because he's pitched a lot, but then they decide to throw him in and the tenth inning and he loses the game for you. Yes, it's a different situation. You got a guy in second base. So what is your thoughts there? What's the rationale? Are you disappointed? Well if he are, are he, you if, dumbfounded if, by the decision?
1: Uh, I if he was available, like if he could physically go Well
0: it, he was available. He pitched in yeah, the tenth.
1: I, then it was to me the wrong move. Yeah. So it that was like I said at the top of when we started this one of the most hurtful losses of the year, I felt like, because of when it happened, how it happened, and then the next day we might have had the most important win of the whole season right after that. So. Yeah,
0: and before we jump into it, and one more last caveat there in that ninth inning when Munoz is pitching. You remember there was a hard ball hitting into deep left field. Yeah. Taylor Trammell was in the game. Just came in. Just came in, yes. Yeah. Um, and like I said, going back on the ball towards the wall, had the leap, went off his glove. Very tough play. I'm not going to say that he should make the play, make the play but I'm going to ask you this. Have you seen a team in your lifetime have more ball, balls go off their gloves in the outfield than this year's uh, Seattle uh, Mariners? Uh, uh, uh. Because I don't know. I've seen plenty. I've
1: seen it, and I've seen it it's from unbelievable. Go- I, and here's the thing that's what's unbelievably frustrating about it: these are all guys that are very, very capable of getting it. You know, and maybe we've been spoiled with so many good outfielders. You know that defensively, that maybe that's why. But all of these balls, like a, like one of my coaches that I used to have, Steve Meany he used to say, "If you can touch it, you can catch it," and uh, they're they're touching the ball I mean we saw some weird shit from Jared the week before We've seen Teoscar a few times Oh more it. than a
0: few Yeah
1: and you know we've seen Julio We saw Julio do one the week before and, Oh on the can of corn. Yeah on the can of corn And we missed one in the sun yeah, ball. There, we'll there has yes
0: there. Um, I mean <laughs> yeah. there's many There has but, but coming back God. to that trailer, Taylor Trammell thing I want to bring up one point Because then I'm going to rehash this later if he catches that ball, the Mariners win that game. Very tough play. Tough. My, it was tough. But it was not routine. I'm not, gonna, not routine, and I'm not going to blame him. But so many times throughout this season, there's been one play late in the game defensively that, you know, all these balls off their gloves. It always hasn't happened late in the game. But there's been a up some sort of situation late in the game, and the Mariners have not come up with a big, big play. That would have been a big play, and I agree with you. It's not – a ball that
1: that would have been out number two yeah that would have been out number two and you want to know what i felt so bad let's go back to colton long about that i felt so bad after he does that the very first out ground ball to colton long and i was like god he's he's got to be juicing right just juiced just right oh that like, adrenaline drip feeling is, is dripping oh, fast man. Fucking all of Hawaii was going nuts. Everybody was ordering up fucking uh, span. What are those uh, <laughs> wasubis? Yeah. They were slamming wasubis and drinking fucking pina coladas. It listen. It oh, you had to feel good for the. Guy I did. And- we. I was so pumped. I was. I actually was listening to that portion of the game, and I was screaming in my car, and then. I don't know, half an hour later, I was like,
0: man. No, I talked to you. That hurt so bad. I was talking to you, and you said, thank God you called me. I've been talking to myself in the car for the last half hour. (laughs) So you took this one
1: pretty tough. I did, because it came after a a Toronto loss on Sunday that was like, man, we could have had that game, too. After two games where we came back on Toronto, so... The Mariners are playing good ball. We watched the very next day. Let's get into the fun part now that we, now that we, let's sweep that out of the way. That was from a couple of days ago. Let's talk. Let's sweep that out of the way because the rest of the series, you know, we are definitely ascending right now. I wish they were ascending ten games ago, but we are ascending that game two of this series. I know. It, I know. We're getting ready. We've, we've. Everybody's talked about it. That game two of the series. I know. Everybody's talked about it on the radio. We've. We've talked about it on social media with each other. But we had a good episode with Jim Copacino already scheduled out. Wanted to give that a little bit of breather room. We're gonna play some excerpts from that during the ad breaks here. But that game two. What was it? How many games since we had a comeback like that?
0: Uh, like five hundred and eighty, but. That's just roughly, it's been 32 years back since 1991, where the M's came back in the eighth inning or later, down by four runs or more, and won the game.
1: And that was in what, 1991? 1990, one.
0: 1991. On the
1: road, too. So we're talking Alvin Davis, Harold Reynolds, Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr., uh, Dave Valley. Or Scott Bradley, um, maybe Henry Cotto, Jay Buner, Edgar Martinez. Um, anyways, I, I remember a lot of that too. Randy Johnson. There's a really good fight from that year. By the way, you guys should go check it out. But uh, was that so you year in Baltimore? Uh, no, that was ninety ninety three, I believe. Boy, you got a
0: good memory. Um, but yeah, that game was weird. Started off weird. Kirby on the mound, feeling good, you know, he didn't really have his stuff. Um, You know, through the first two and two-thirds innings, the only outs that were recorded of the eight outs were all via strikeouts versus George Kirby. That was fucking weird. Yeah, but also, he allowed five hits, or five runs on seven hits with one base on ball and he faced 16 batters, so, and they were down.
1: So basically like if you're a fantasy owner and <laughs> that you'd be like you'd be fucked on the ERA, right? You'd be fucked on the hits, but the strikeouts depending on what your league is, you know that that's a good outing if you're if you you know you got a team put together where you're just like I really need these strikeouts. I, they're just, I, that was just weird, right? To be that effective with the swings and misses, but I will say this, Minnesota strikes out I believe more than any team in the major leagues.
0: Yeah, that, it's and that's hard to believe. Us. anybody we're can strike. Close. It's
1: hard to believe that anybody can strike out more than us. But there is somebody.
0: Yeah. So you know, we were down. You know, six to six to two going into the eighth inning, and like you mentioned, we've never come back. Um, we're down to our last six outs, and the Mariners put up seven runs in the last two innings. Unbelievable! Big, unbelievable. Ga- big, big game from Julio Rodriguez. Um, you know, as well as other guys, Cade Marlowe, um, big dumper at a couple hits. But, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. It was the polar opposite of the night before. I will
1: admit, I gave up on that game. I rolled over and had a nap. And I, I kept kind of, like, coming out of this nap. And I, I went through the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. And I'm just waiting for this game to get over. And... I wake up and we're in the eighth inning, and I believe it was Julio's home run that tied the game. Yeah. And then after that, it was it was all gravy, man. I mean, like I I felt rebirth. The next day, it carried into the next day too. The next day, when we're when we get out to this big lead, we're just carrying over that ass kicking. And you know what? You see the momentum in baseball right there. You see Minnesota. They it took them a long time to wake up in that game. They slowly creep back. But I gotta tell you yeah, what. Yeah, they
0: chipped away in that game.
1: Yeah, they did. And I can tell you what, I never feared losing that third game. Really? One bit. Not one bit. Do you have a text from me? Do you no. have text? They're all positive just going off. Because the the Mariners were just in a ferocious, ferocious state of mind. His that hit that he sent the treasure, the Treasure Island second deck, that was a fucking bomb. I don't know what was more impressive—that oppo shot from Game Two, home run number two, or this home run?
0: That absolute piss missile to the left field it's in the upper piss deck. Piss missile. Yeah, oh my God! Even Dave Sims said, "This ball is crushed." Uh, yeah, he goes. I mean, but you know, you got going back to this game. You got um, Bryce Miller on the mound, who what he showed me—he told showed me his fastball. He. But he was showing his secondary pitches, and he looked better with him, throwing a changeup that I haven't seen through that slider. But let's talk about Dylan Moore. Two home runs in that game. Wow. He got the
1: Gatorade bath, but it was a pretty sad Gatorade bath. It was a 32 ounce of Gatorade that Ty France I, – I guess Ty was too lazy to get,
0: get, the, get the bucket – Yeah, exactly. And, you know. Or Jared
1: kicked the shit out of it in the back.
0: I don't know. Yeah, and earlier, you know, I mentioned about the M's not making a big play in a big-time situation. Well, late in the game there, ground ball to uh, Gino Suarez to his left. Demo was playing short, was playing mostly up the middle. Man on second base, ninth inning. Um, Big heads up baseball play by Suarez collects, runs the runner back to second base who was pinch running and then had the wherewithal to then know his internal clock and make the play at first base for the out. Yeah. You know, we talked about the M's not always making the play. Late in the game, it seems like, defensively. But Gino Suarez did it that time. We go back to the Toronto series. Remember that play when the bases were loaded, that, that two hopper where he decided to go to second base for the double play? Um, those are the kind of it. plays you need to win you a game in tight situations when the game's on the line and you got a runner in scoring position to bail your pitcher out.
1: They're playing overall better defense, overall better baseball. They still have some things to clean up on defense. They do mainly in the outfield. That's Now I feel like that's where our shift. They've been running the bases a whole shitload better. Hey,
0: oh, I, yes, they have.
1: Let's talk about the best base run in, in that game. I will say this. I'm laying on the couch, taking a nap. I'm kind of listening to the game. And Ty France gets on first base. And then all of a sudden, I think they might have had a pitch. I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, there was a first to third situation. And Dave Sims goes, I swear, at this point, he goes, Mike Ford rumbling into third base. Go back and watch it, folks. At the same time, I hear a text and a phone call from you. I don't answer it because I'm in that nasty fo- that like that nasty sleep fog, and the game is we're still down and it's late. This is not that eighth inning, and in my head I go, man, I know Ty Francis is slow, but is he that fucking slow that they're pinch running? Mike Ford for him Because my back's to the I'm not looking at the TV Turns out it wasn't He just called Ty France Mike Ford But that But that just brings to Our our theory of The the slowness of France That's just Come on really quick Anyways
0: It was a funny moment It was a
1: great moment Because you were Ticked off about the call And I was like For a second I just thought They pinch ran Mike Ford for him And I said Wasn't there anybody else Available Anyways uh we got to wrap up this twin series cuz we've been going on for 20 minutes but it's been good and, and listen It was a very yeah, people entertaining the, series yeah. as a fan of And I feel like all the pundits and all the radio people the last couple days listen we had the Jerry DePoto show we always like to talk about the Jerry DePoto show on here. Um we're going to talk about that right after this. Fry
0: bread and mustard, a Mariner's podcast
1: come on Jared you throw coolers you don't kick coolers you grab the cooler and you chuck it or you throw it on the ground you don't kick it
0: and I mean he hurt the team he's hurt yeah a mistake was it the first time it happened no will it be the last no it will be the last in my opinion that Jared does it it's a tough lesson to learn but you always learn from your mistake and I feel bad for him
1: I rather you throw things than hit things. Just throw it. Remember the, remember the guy in Anaheim, he threw all the bubble gum on the field. Smart man. Smart man to show <laughs> his smart man to show his 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 frustration with things. There's disapproval. He throws a bunch of bubble gum. You know, worst case is people had to go out there and pick up bubble gum. Maybe some got on somebody's cleat. You know, you don't punch lockers and you don't kick the cooler. I think this is like the two things that you got to learn. Listen and subscribe to Rye Bread
0: and Mustard of Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, so we're back. All right, so, you know, anytime we have an episode that comes out on a Friday, we deconstruct the DePoto Show. That's our segment that we like to call Deconstructing the DePoto Show. Um, Listen, uh, it was really good to actually listen to Jerry DePoto not have to go out there and and take so many missiles. They they typically lose or hit pretty much low points and lulls on Wednesdays, and his episode comes out on Thursdays. I thought, you know, he was he's. I will give him this. He's been pretty consistent about saying like, hey. And he said this. He thinks our pitching is strong enough, which I believe in that. Uh, you know, if we can get to the get on the dance floor I think he said there's a lot of damage to be made by this team Um, the way they're hitting of late and you know putting good offensive games together more importantly coming back that's something I'm we're all happy to see because we did this a a lot the last couple of years and that was kind of missing Uh, another thing that uh, I heard him talk about was obviously what are they going to do in the trade deadline what's going to happen he, he has said hey we've been taking calls we've been making calls so you know that something's going to happen he also said you know it all happens pretty much in the last 72 hours uh brought up the point that hey like at going into this weekend there's maybe like 20 to 21 teams that still think they're in this thing um as well as you know Speaking to the fact that The Mariners quietly This is the best July the Mariners have had In a decade
0: Is that what he said? Yeah Well I mentioned earlier we were 14-8 and eight. But we've also, let's be fair We've had some terrible Julys But last year we had a better July We had lost more games this year than we did Last year's July Because you have to
1: remember Wait, last You
0: have to remember last year at, Straight out of the All-Star break We got swept by Houston we lost 7 games last year in July. We've already lost 8 this year. So, I'm going to fact check Jerry DePoto.
1: Okay, do it right here.
0: Okay. Last year, we were 18 and 7. This year, with still some time left in July, we are 14 and 8. So, we've always already lost more games this year than we did last year. So,
1: that's all bullshit.
0: It's pretty close, but it's not factual. (laughs) If we're going by record, that is, you got.
1: So maybe it's the quality of wins. I don't know. I don't know why you'd go on and say that.
0: Hey, you know, he relies on his baseball ops in the. Stat geeks or the—I'm sure they ate
1: him up. The the callers probably ate that up, and they just didn't bring it up on uh, on seven ten. Why would they? All right, that yeah, con- they're the flagship. That concludes the and and of course not going to tell us what what they're going to do, but that concludes the uh, Jerry <laughs> destructing. Let's get let's get into this man. I think the biggest question we have About the trade deadline I do not see the Mariners Anybody that says Logan I think Ken Rosenthal said that The Mariners have been Promoting or You know Trying to push And sell at a very high price For Logan Gilbert I don't really believe that um, Now as far as Hernandez and Paul Seawald. I could see either of them getting moved, but I think that has to do a lot with the next three days, four days, four games. Like we got four games, right? Until then. And both I think would be guys that maybe their price goes up the closer and closer to the deadline. So, I think they'll be there through the weekend, but I could see one of them going. I, I also could see them staying. But uh, particularly, I want to talk about Paul Seawald. You know, it would be a very unpopular move, whether the Mariners win or lose this weekend and and, and in the first game with Boston as well. But we saw one of the most emotionally gratifying Victories by the Mariners in 2021, and we traded Kendall Graveman. We basically said, "Get out of the, get out of this locker room and go over there against the team we're playing. We were playing the Houston Astros. The hated Houston Astros. You remember that? My question to you is: Could you see Kendall Graveman be? Uh, could, you P- Seewald, could you see Paul Seawald? Could you see Paul Seawald being a potential? Kendall Graveman 2.0 and what I mean by that is an unpopular move because you're promoting younger pitchers or depth in your bullpen that you know, to be fair even though I think that trade was dumb, you know, because we didn't get anything out of it the bullpen didn't suffer
0: I will say this So, as you know, during the deadline, if players get acquired to a certain team, it sometimes can add a spark to a team. You kind of seen that last year with Santana. Um, And like you mentioned, it can be a detriment to a team in the the sense of Graveman. Um, After the Graveman deal, yeah, there was a lot of negativity. But soon after, they bounced back. They played well, but they still did not play well enough to make the playoffs. No. So, and my other thought then would be with Seawald is he's probably the most valuable asset that you have on your team. Like you mentioned before and earlier in the podcast, relief pitchers go, closers go, and they go for a lot. And with Paul Seawald having a year remaining on his contract, so uh, if he was acquired, they would have him for this year and next year that means something and can get you something for it. So I watched an interview about two days ago on foul territory with Paul Seawald. very candid. And he knows that his name's out there. He hopes to be in Seattle, but he realizes that there's a possibility that he could be gone. I honestly don't know what the right decision is. I would, I would like to see Paul Seawalt stay with us. I think he's a quality arm. Um, You know, we lost Swanson last year. It hasn't really depleted us that much, but this year with a lot of bullpen injuries, and knowing that Seawalt is part of your big three in the back end in crucial situations along with Brash, who was in that position as a closer at times, did not succeed. You have Munoz who's been really good at times. And you know, when put in that pressure situation, because it's totally different in the ninth inning when the game's on the line and you gotta get three outs. You didn't get it done in this series against the twins. It takes a certain type of pitcher and a certain type of mentality to have a closer that can perform in that type of pressure pack situations. And Paul Seawald has shown that. I don't know if they were to move him if we have someone in this organization that can take over. Yeah, stuff-wise, sure, but mentality and moxie and being able to go out there and be mentally tough and if you walk a guy or if you give up a base hit to still clamp down and get the job done, I'm not sure we have that.
1: I just, I have to say, if we're still contending this year and and we're going after it, He's going to be on this team if I'm making the call. If it's, you know, we might be seven games out, you know, (laughs) by Tuesday morning. And if that's the case, then I would, you know, sell to the highest bidder because he is 33. And we do have a lot of strong arms in the bullpen, a lot of young arms. I mean, we just brought up Prelander. We bring people up, you know every other week and they don't hurt the Mariners or we get a good run out of them I, obviously that's a strong point of the Mariners to the point that we're converting good starters that we've drafted into bullpen guys because we're so strong on the front end um, so yeah if we're going after it he's got to be on this team if we're not, if we're retreating and we're, I think it's a white flag if we get rid of him I don't know if there's any other way you can sell it unless you're getting, like, proven bats. Not a Abraham Toro. You know, not somebody that's like, hey, this guy is playing behind, you know, Bergman, Correa, and Altuve. You know, okay, I, I get how you could sell that to us. And to be honest, he, he did find that towards the end of the year. But we were missing... Kendall Graveman because we could even shorten the game even a whole nother inning back then and so I think it was a bad trade at the time yeah Kendall Graveman would have been gone at the end of the year but we didn't get much back for it um as far as Tao as far as Tao again if we're going after it why not just keep him he's a rental we already knew he was a rental for this year Uh, Jerry says he doesn't like to use that word. He wants to call it blah, 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 blah. It's a rental. And, again, a little bit different situation. But if we are going after it, we need more offense. So why would you get rid of Teof if you need more offense? So I kind of see both of those guys staying with the Mariners if, we're going after it, and if we're trading anybody, it's definitely gonna be those fringe guys, like, I believe, like, the Tramels, um, maybe even, like, a, a Cade Marlowe, you know? I don't feel like Jared Kilnick's probably gonna go anywhere. We got Class A, uh, we also got Emerson Hancock down there. I mean, I could see them maybe moving those guys, if we're going after it this year, that's, that's my feeling behind what's going on out there.
0: No, I, 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 I take a lot of your points and agree with them, especially on the Seawald situation. Teo, like you mentioned, yeah, he's signed up through this year. He could receive the qualifying offer. Um, if he doesn't take it, um, the Mariners would get a draft pick. But it's hard to say. I, I have no idea what the Mariners are up to. Um, You mentioned talking through the Jerry DePoto show. You know, has it come down to these last three games and a Boston game before they make a decision? It's hard to say. Um, You know, Ken Rosenthal came out with his latest article. I mean, he mentions that everybody needs starting pitching. The Mariners have a plethora of it. They're really good at developing it. He mentioned their Mariners are going to sell high if they are truly going to sell a guy. He mentioned a few teams that are listed as possible matches. Obviously, the Cardinals who've been talked about, would maybe possibly Logan Gilbert, Miller, maybe Wu, and then as well as a couple other teams in the Rays and the Orioles, and then the D-backs, who I've heard that could be a fit for Paul Sewald. So there is the possibility if the Mariners have a rough series you could see Paul Sewald, maybe just switch dugouts, very similar to the Kendall Graveman thing, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and then Teo, I mean that's up in the air. It's all gonna depend on what the Mariners think, what their record is. And it's so funny that it could come down to three games. You know, we've talked about how month after month after month, from April up until now, the Mariners record has been, you know, two games above, two games below. They've been 500 at least 22 times this year, <laughs> so it's really hard to say. There's teams ahead of you in the wild card. Um, you're six, you're I believe six games back, six and a half games back in the wild card right now.
1: No, we are we are four and a half in the wild card. Correct.
0: It's seven and a half in the West. Yeah. So at the time of this recording. Yeah. So. And there's a lot of teams in in this situation. So you saw what Anaheim did. Um, It's hard to say. The Mariners obviously have talked about they don't want to, you know, they're not at a point, and I don't believe they're at a point, to sell on the future, to get somebody big, to push them over the top. They have many holes in that right now. So anything could happen in my mind as far as the Mariners' trades. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I think anything can happen And nothing can happen I could also see And not be so up in arms If we don't do anything And Because yes, we've been 500 900 times this season We've been a game up A game down, a couple of games back A couple of games up You know, Paul Abdul, two steps forward Two steps back And like making a knee jerk reaction and buying big and buying rentals doesn't make sense it doesn't sound like from the depoto show that's he's he's been pretty adamant like hey we're they're not gonna do that but as far as grabbing somebody like a luis castillo where you're bringing him over has a little bit of change on his on the end of his Contract to try to re-sign them. I don't know who's out there that we could we could get that. Um, yeah, I, I don't
0: see a Luis Castillo type deal being made by no, the Mariners like no. it was made last year. No,
1: and once you can pull something off like that, I think if you get one of those for a while, and then the rest of the league is pretty smart. Yeah, to that. but as
0: a Mariners fan, I mean that sucks and I don't want them to do that at the deadline. I want them to do that in free agency to add. And that's a Me different too. story that we've talked about. Yeah, they,
1: they could have, should have, would have. Look at Cody Bellinger, a guy that we passed up. We could, we, we've been down JD that. J.D.
0: Martinez. Yeah, we've we've driven it into the ground.
1: We've been down that road so many times. You know, the the, ti- the tires are bare. Uh, you know, on this episode about that, on, on this podcast about that. But, uh, again, I could see them doing Nothing because of them being where they are, them being in this, we're in the worst spot. We could be three games, two games out by the end of, you know, the deadline. We could be seven games. We're in this position where I think we, there's, we're still not definite buyers and we're still not definite sellers. I know the Mariners made a small trade, um, They bring in a pitcher that it seems like from what I'm hearing is that is going to be more of a, you know, that this guy's supposed to be like a, um, you know, maybe a spot starter, maybe some uh, long relief. Um, They move Marco Gonzalez to the 60-day IL. And just for people out there, they're like, well, 60-day IL, that means he's not coming back. No, it's retroactive, right, Hanno, to the date that that you got on the injury list. Correct. So he essentially could come back at any point. But he has not started any sort of pitching program or throwing program. So it seems uh, unlikely right now. I think that's just, you know, I don't know if you can really move uh, Marco Gonzalez in that contract. I would doubt it.
0: Um, yeah, you don't. I don't see Marco Gonzalez being traded being injured i've never seen anything like that and you mentioned thornton he's 29 uh the option of triple a and four relief appearances this season with toronto um he went 0 and with a 169 era uh one walk five strikeouts and 22 appearances uh, excuse me. In his 22 appearances with Triple A, he was five and one with a 4.18 ERA, with 18 walks, 26 strikeouts, and he got designated for assignment. So the Mariners picked him up, uh, traded away McCoy, and he's a infielder. Played shortstop for the Tacoma Rainiers. Um, great defensive player, um, from what I've read. Uh, Thornton, I don't know much about. Uh, happened to see a video when he when I was scrolling through. Um, big surprise! He throws a slider, sweeper type pitch, something that the Mariners covet. They're good at tweaking, and they like those kind of guys. So it makes sense. Um, I can't give you much more analysis other than that. Yeah,
1: plenty of options left on this guy too. So that's that, that's like. That's something that fits in with us. They heard that we might expand to a six-man rotation at a certain point in the season. I would assume if we're white flagging it, you'll definitely see that. You'll definitely see, like, who gives a shit? Throw somebody out there, let's save these arms. But if we're going after it, too, you know? we got guys that have never pitched this far in their... Careers and uh, so Yeah, but
0: he's... wouldn't you say go after it, I mean, are we really going after it's different than maybe getting a piece that hopefully will, you know, give you a spark? Going after it would be the type of deal that the Anaheim Angels made, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, Anaheim Angels are going after Otani ain't going anywhere. They're giving up prospects. They got themselves a bullpen guy, uh, a starting pitcher. They paid. You know, a premium price yeah, for it. Yeah, they're,
0: they're two and three prospects in and the And Anaheim's playing really
1: good right now. So, you know, they're going after it.
0: I just don't see the Mariners going after I it. I feel
1: like here's how the Mariners can go after it. Is okay. If the guys that are supposed to be where they're at offensively and get to there, we're going after it. Because the pitching's going to be there. The pitching is going to back you up. So that's why I don't mind You know, adding too much or giving up too much. If we're gonna see them swing the bats like they've swung the bats in the last week, have can I just be like, hey, because I saw this in the last week, everything is cured? No, but
0: it's trending in the right direction. I will give you that.
1: And this is a team that is. Much more recognizable who they were in 2022 and 2021. Um, 2021, I think, was smoking mirrors. It was smoking mirrors, overachieving, but that attitude was there.
0: But you also had guys like the Kyle Seeger. The defense was there. You had Mitch Haniger. A totally different locker room.
1: But you had guys like JP that were seeing the way. You had guys like Ty seeing the way. You you, had, you mean
0: seeing the way? You mean Ty was seeing the ball pretty good, hitting the ball pretty good. JP. No, seeing the way, seeing how, what it's like going down the sea in the oh, way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I understand. I get you. Yeah, yeah. And Jared
1: Kelnick, there. I, obviously, he's not there, but you got guys out in the bullpen. You got a few guys that were around from that team. It definitely, you know, morphed into what happened last year. We have a lot of guys from last year. We got some new faces, too, but um, the backbone of the team, you know, I feel like it comes from then. And I just feel like that was the start of the genesis of of this team. You even had guys like Julio who wasn't there in twenty twenty one, but he was in the building. Yep, he, he was he around was. the team. These are the guys that were in camp. These are guys part of the organization. And same thing with with you know the 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 Woos and the Millers and the and the uh, you know Logans and the, and. You know Logan was there twenty twenty one Kirby was right on the doorstep Brash all these guys so like I I know that the attitude is there and them knowing what to do it's frustrating and very Seattle like <laughs> to be in this situation but we're gonna see what's going on this weekend we gotta wrap this up here um, look we're down there against the Diamondbacks they've been in first place almost the whole season until now pretty much <laughs> they're three and seven in their last 10, so they're not playing their greatest baseball. This is the time to pounce on them. But. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. I mean, we talked about the Mariners' schedule in the month of July. Our record, excuse me, being third best. Arizona down near the bottom with their record. Mariners get lucky, miss Zach Galen, uh, all-star, started the all-star game in Seattle, their number one guy. So, And like you mentioned, they have not played well in their last 10. Yeah. It's it's time. You gotta get at least two or three the remaining part of the year.
1: And you're gonna have to get some sweeps in there. And listen, you gotta get Castillo some goddamn runs this series.
0: Absolutely. I mean he's been snake bitten. You talk to me all the time. It's the Felix syndrome.
1: And let's hope he does not get snake bitten down there. I think he's I think he's pitching on Sunday. Probably, and hopefully, I'm going to say probably because I'm still probably in a situation where we're going to win this series if he if he takes care of business.
0: Yeah, he's pitched well enough to get you the wins. He just hasn't had the run support. And I didn't realize I said snake bitten playing the D-backs and the snakes, is I they're called? Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I don't sure. even I if I see a video. I put Turn onward. It yeah, it's <laughs> ooh, ooh.
1: So let's just get out of there without getting (laughs) snake-bitten. Anyways, that's our episode. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and following. All that good stuff. We'll be back Monday. We'll be back Monday with more pressing matters. Trade deadline eve. Trade deadline eve. And, you know, the Red Sox are coming as well. Another team that's in between us and where we need to be. We're going to be back talking about it. Thanks again to MVPs up here in Edmonds, Washington. Hello. You know what time it is. <laughs>